Do you have trouble sleeping? Then Sleepscape could be your answer. A world first sleep aid podcast recorded live in some of Australia's most iconic places. I invite you to sleep under the stars. It's like you're actually there. Choose from over 10 locations. Subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Sleepscape. Choose where you sleep tonight. Australia Day 2009, Hobart, Tasmania. A sturdy white yacht, the Four Winds, rocks gently on its mooring on the Derwent River. Bob Chappell and Sunil Fraser, a Hobart couple, had just purchased the yacht in Queensland for their planned retirement. Bob was a radiation physicist. Sue owned property and they'd been together for 18 years. And Mum and Bob would still dance after a few wines in the living room. They'd put music on at night and dance. I don't think it was a great love match, but I think she liked the challenge. She was very loyal to him. It seemed to me that they uh, fitted in very well together. The next morning, January 27, 2009, the Four Winds was found sinking. When I hear the word sinking, I don't think of something that's like fully sunk to the ground. You just think, oh, it's taking on water. And I drove out along that little pier where the rowing shed is and I could see there was like media set up at the end of the pier. I'd had no idea that they were there for us. And I basically just drove up and parked next to the, to the police cars. I remember seeing Mum clearly distressed and in shock and feeling sick. Uh, Peter Powell, I'm the Detective Inspector, of, uh, I'm the officer in charge of Hobart Criminal Investigation Branch. Well, I guess it's been uh, one of those cases that's been really intriguing, mainly because, you know, Mr Chappell's body's never been found. There was no eyewitness to what actually happened to him. He'd been on the yacht sometime after lunch on Australia Day and by seven o'clock the next morning or about that time, the yacht was sinking and he wasn't on the yacht and it had been sabotaged. I'm Eve Ash, a psychologist and filmmaker. For the last 12 years, I've been investigating who killed Bob Chappell and why. And if an innocent woman has been in jail 12 years, how could this happen in Australia? We're fairly confident that, based on all the circumstances, that he was killed on the yacht because there were some blood spatters which forensics um, said seemed to be consistent with someone being hit around the head. This was an entirely circumstantial case. Listen to the words the prosecutor told the jury about how Sue murdered Bob. She's walking backwards and forwards and delivers blow, a blow, all blows, or maybe stabs him with a screwdriver. I don't know. He doesn't look around, so the body doesn't have any marks of what you'd expect if someone had come down there, a stranger, intent on doing him harm. The body, I suggest, would have marks consistent only with being delivered by someone who he knew to be there, who he knew and expected to be behind him. The prosecutor says marks on Bob's body suggest it was an attack from behind, therefore someone he knew. It had to be Sue. In my view, the steps that Ms Neil Fraser took on the night in question to conceal her crime 
and the inconvenience and expense of the investigation that she made necessary are aggravating factors that I should take into account. Sue has always maintained her innocence. She refuses to confess to a murder she says she didn't commit. I don't think it's in her nature to ever admit to it. I think Sue is very manipulative. I struggled with this case for seven years. Then I read an incredible book called Infiltration by Colin McLaren, a former Melbourne homicide detective who worked undercover in the Australian Mafia for two years, leading to major arrests. Then I found out about his work on the JFK assassination and Princess Diana's fatal crash. Surely this case in Tasmania would be easy for him to solve. He soon got hooked. We're just interested in the truth, and whatever the truth is, is good enough. Colin wanted to know when Sue had become a suspect. I was told by Detective Inspector Peter Powell it was not for a few weeks. In March, uh, up until then, we were treating it as possibly a murder, you know, but we didn't have Susan as a suspect and we didn't have any really anyone in the frame as a suspect. But Colin points out something different from the police investigation log. And if you look at the, the 29th of, of January, 48 hours later, Sue's a suspect. The entire effort from that point forward is only on Sue. Sue was formally interviewed by police twice totalling over six hours. When we're talking about Australia Day with, yeah. with your partner, yeah. you, you, you're very vague. You sort of, when we ask you questions, you say you can't remember. Oh. Any I, idea what time you arrived home? I think I had a shower. I really can't remember. Right. Um, I, yeah, and no, I think I had a shower. I asked Colin to analyse those police interviews. If you put the guilty hat on, 24 times you can't remember, but she was unnerved. And I've tried in my own space and my own time to look at that as all very innocent. But there's an example, and probably the best example on these two records of interview, we're looking at a, a woman that's probably guilty. We talked to the Queensland boat broker who sold the four winds to Sue and Bob. He wanted to share a concern about the police investigation and what one of the yacht delivery crew told him came into the office one day and said, look, I've just had a call from a detective mate of mine in Hobart Police. He's a senior detective there. Mm -hmm. And he's tipped me off to be careful because they're bugging our phones. His phone, my phone in the office, and Sue's in particular. Did he also say why? Because they suspected Sue and they were out to get her. What had Sue done in her past that made her such a strong suspect? It doesn't add up to some extent, but I thought it was a domestic situation with her previous husband mm -hmm. and she was quite violent with him or that was part of what was I understood. Right, and that and, came and through she, the information you got from Yeah, that, that there was a previous incident and she was obviously cleared or acquitted of that, but they were going to get her this time. She was in the frame. In the frame? Yeah. And this is days after Bob Chapel goes missing? Yes. Sue was made out to be a cold, calculating killer. There's more than me, the eye you see. You're not what you appear to be. They don't know you like I do. No one knows but me. No one knows 
I wanted to unravel the truth to the rumours about Sue's past, that she plotted to kill Bob and her brother Patrick, that she was involved in arson and involved in another man's disappearance, even a rumour that Sue had killed her first husband. My name's Brett Meeker and I'm Sue's first husband. She might not be my wife anymore, but she's still my family. She's the mother of my children. And all the time I've known her, I've never known her to be physically violent at all. Was Brett jealous of Sue and Bob? Was he a suspect? Surely police would have questions, at least about Sue's character. I have not spoken to any official person at all on any level through this whole thing. Brett never gave evidence in court about Sue. In fact, Sue was advised by her lawyer at the time that she didn't need any witnesses for her defence. It was a tapestry of fictions, if you like. There just wasn't any evidence. I think they'd have had a much better case if they'd have actually had a much better guilty person. Usually, DNA helps solve crimes. But in this case, evidence of someone else's DNA at the crime scene was sidelined. It was a large volume DNA sample taken from the deck of Four Winds, initially labelled Person E, no match to anyone in the Tasmanian database. Then, seven months after Sue's arrested and in jail, a match to a 15-year-old homeless girl. Her DNA's on the boat. Yeah. And all she's got to say about that is it wasn't me. The Crown case is all wrong because the Crown case said that no one else is on the boat, including Megan Vass, whose strong DNA profile that's on the boat. With the girl's DNA on the yacht not properly investigated, I asked Detective Inspector Powell if he was 100% sure that Sue had killed Bob. Well, firstly, I've got no doubt that Sue did this. And I base that not just on my, my experience as an investigator, but I base it on the evidence. What evidence? Colin McLaren helped review the case thoroughly. There were so many questions, so many leads, and some other strange deaths in the same vicinity of Hobart. When you start to map it out, you start to see that there is a lot of similar facts and all of a sudden a lot of bodies appearing in one little tiny bay down, way down the southern end of Australia, all within a period of six or seven months. Well, it was suggested to me with three of those bodies, without even knowing about the other two, that it was a serial killer. Let's dissect this crime and the police investigation and dig deep to explore the facts and psychology of this case. It's scary. My team and I have been intimidated, we've been followed, phones bugged, hotel rooms entered, secret warrants for our bank accounts, raids, documentation and film footage seized, arrests. Colin McLaren has now left Australia and won't return because of this case. And at the heart of it, Bob Chappell gone and Sue stoic and resilient. Mum shouldn't be in there because she's done nothing wrong. And I will never give up the struggle for justice. I shall continue to fight until I die. This podcast series will explore Sue's lies, the forensic evidence, the witnesses and what they saw, new witnesses unearthed, other suspects, 
a detailed crime scene analysis, timelines, reconstructions, courtroom highlights, bizarre coincidences and gaping holes in the police investigation. Who killed Bob Chappell? Is this a modern-day witch hunt? You decide if the woman in jail is a killer. Subscribe now on Spotify for early access from the 22nd of November. Who killed Bob?